0: As we begin the book of Hebrews, a general overview is helpful. It's a very common idea that Hebrews was written specifically to Jewish Christians who were being lured back into Judaism. But when we read through the book, we find that's not necessarily the case. Rather, we find a number of passages that encourage Christians to hold on to their faith in the face of shame and humiliation. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we're warned not to drift away. In Hebrews 3, 7 through 4:13, we're warned against a hardened and unbelieving heart. In 5.11-6.12, through 6, 12, we're told not to be deaf to the word and fall away. And in 10.19-39, we're warned that we cannot continue on sinning. And finally, in Hebrews 12.1-29, we're told not to fail to obtain the grace of God. Each of these sections is a warning for us, telling us that even though we have repented and believed and been baptized, there is still a chance for us to fall away. And so each of these sections has a call for endurance because these Christians are in a constant struggle to resist the world. It's an important book for us to read because we all struggle with discouragement and compromise. We get tired of the insults, the gross characters we're presented as, the hostility that so many have for us. And so Hebrews is written so that we can see the overwhelming value of what God has given us so that we can hang on tightly to it. The first chapter is building up to this conclusion in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Given the incredible nature of Jesus, we only ignore him at our peril. Hebrews is going to stress Jesus in three roles throughout the book, as a prophet, a priest, and a king. And all three of these are brought out in those first three verses. We read, that long ago, at many times, and in many ways. God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. God had spoken long ago to our fathers through the prophets, but now in these last days he is speaking to us and through his Son, Now, this doesn't mean that all Old Testament scripture is suddenly obsolete. It was only incomplete, with the prophets puzzling out how it might all end. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, for example, mentions that they were looking eagerly as to when the Christ would come and in what manner, but never fully grasping it. But now we got the full picture. We know what God has been working to. We know how that we are saved. We know what we need to do to have eternal life. In no other time has anyone had such access to God as believers have through Christ. Moses could only see God's backside as he walked by. The priests could only enter into the most holy place where God's presence was once a year, and only when it was shrouded by the cloud of the burning incense. But when we see Jesus, we have seen the exact imprint of God, everything that he is and everything that we need to be. And as the perfect representation of God in human form, Jesus could do what nobody else ever could. We're told that he made purification for sins. And now he sits at the right hand of God as the heir of all creation and our king. That right there is something for us to meditate on quite a bit. Jesus is the one through whom all things came into being. He is the one who owns everything. Yet instead of using that authority and that power to domineer over people, He has instead chosen to give himself so that we could have purification from sins and join him in his rule. So after this brief introduction to Jesus, we have seven Old Testament passages that are given to demonstrate how much better Jesus is than the angels. And that might seem like an obvious point to us, but consider who and what the angels are. They stand in the presence of God. When they appear to people, they usually think they're going to die. And Daniel 10 implies that they even have some sort of role or authority when it comes to ruling the world powers. Popular depictions of angels are chubby babies with wings, or just regular-looking people with wings and a halo. But angels are impressive, they're scary, they're powerful, and they're nothing when compared to Jesus. Those seven quotations tell us quite a bit, but the main points are that he's the Son of God who's going to inherit all things, He's the one who is worthy of worship from all created things. And angels are only his servants. And even in verse 8, this son, Jesus, is called God himself. So he's someone we ought to pay attention to. We reach that conclusion of this argument in Hebrews chapter 2 verses 1 through 4, which we'll look at in more detail tomorrow. But simply put, is that we ignore Jesus at our own peril. All previous revelations of God, as incomplete or as much as they looked forward to Jesus, they're not to be treated lightly. The messages given through angels, that was reliable, and anyone who ignored it received just judgment against them. So now that we are seeing God face to face in the person of Jesus, how much more ought we ought to pay attention?